All right. I have uh, been sharing with you about wells the last two opportunities I've had. I'm going to pick up there again today because there's still more to say. It's a rich passage. And I think I've even got one more message uh, on wells next week. I'll give you a heads up on that. But just what Scriptures teach us from the wells mentioned in the Bible. Um, Looking at uh, Genesis 26, I'll begin there this morning. And I'm going to take the opportunity today to tie in a bit of my own testimony and tell you a story that... I think it's a God-sized story, but it involves divine interventions. The moments in my life, and, and I hope that you'll see in your own life, the times that the living God interrupts what you're thinking, what you're planning, uh, where you're, where, where the plans that you have. And so I'm praying this morning as we walk through this passage that you may be awakened to perhaps divine intervention in your own life and what that would look like. And, and so we begin this morning in, in Genesis 26, but let me, let me pray for us before we get too far. And again, if you didn't hear me, still got space, got seats down here in the front. I might even reach out and touch you, but you, there's room for you down here today. Father, we thank you today that, uh, God, we have an opportunity, God, to gather today in absolute freedom, freedom to worship the living God, freedom to dive into your word and hear your voice, and, and I'm praying today, God, that you would allow us to give, uh, you would allow us to give you opportunity to interrupt our lives, to speak into some places, maybe awaken us a little bit, Lord. God, we, we tend to maybe get into some routines. We get into some comfort level. And, and in my experience, God, you, you've spoken and you've interrupted. And God, as we share that today, I pray that it, it brings alive perhaps even spiritual renewal in the room today. God, that you'll awaken us. We may be asleep. We may be taking a nap we, spiritually. And God, that you would speak into those places and bring us alive again to, to you, to the relationship that you desire and the activity, Holy Spirit, that, that it is to walk with you. Lord, we pray in these next few minutes that you would speak to us. We give you absolute freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. So in Genesis 26, it, it, this is the, the highlight reel of Isaac, the son of Abraham. He, um, this chapter is devoted where he is the main subject. We read about him in other chapters, but he's not really the main thing going on. And so in terms of a life that it is worth writing about, it is these events in chapter 26 of Genesis that bring alive the life of Isaac and the choices that he's making. I'm going to read just a few verses and invite you, if you're curious, go back and look at the last couple messages we shared about this, but just the first few verses of Genesis 26. Now there was a famine in the land. Besides the earlier famine of Abraham's time, and Isaac went to Abimelech, Abimelech king of the Philistines in Gerar, the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I'll be with you, and I'll bless you. I'll be with you and I'll bless you. His life is interrupted. He has in mind because there's famine in the land. See, famine, uh, in, and in this case it's a physical famine, and it's different than the famine of his father Abraham faced. But it's a time of famine, and w when I read famine, it reminds me of times in my own life where I think there's famine. There, 
There is a physical and even spiritual famine. Those times when we need something different. We need, um, it, it causes us to, to recalculate and reassess and look at where we are and look at our resources and think, well, can I get through this time of famine or not? And it speaks into our emotions and we, we check and, you know, maybe in this case, Isaac, he knows the history of his father Abraham and Abraham in time of famine heads down to Egypt and so maybe he's thinking the same thing because it, it's likely that all of us default to a set of thinking and a set of patterns that we may have picked up from our father or fathers before us. It may be something that we struggle with because when there's famine in the land, it means that there are resources that are going to be scarce, and what are you going to do about it? And so that is the direction, but yet there's a divine interruption that God speaks into the direction, into the thinking of Isaac, and says, do not go down to Egypt. Live where I tell you to live. Stay there for a while. That's open-ended. That, that, that's not a one-year commitment. That's not a 10-year commitment. We don't know. It's for a while. But the promise, I will be with you and will bless you. I will be with you and will bless you. And as we read through that in previous weeks, you're looking at the wells. And so Isaac, he, uh, there are wells and, and there is, um, he's being blessed. And the Philistines in the land, they, uh, Scripture says they envy him. They're envious of the Lord's blessing upon his life. And so they don't like it, and so they fill up the wells of his father Abraham that he and his servants had dug. That, and so he ends up uh, taking his own servants and begins to dig up wells. And this highlight reel of his life, he begins to dig and there's, first of all, dispute and opposition. But then he finally, he, he, he doesn't engage that. He just continues to dig. And he gets to a, a place of Rehoboth, which means room or space. It is, it is God's provision, and it is there that we will flourish in the land, Isaac says in verse 22. And then they continue to dig, and there's Sheba, which is an oath or seven, the promise. It is When you see seven throughout Scripture, it is complete. And so as he's continued to dig, he reaches a place where the, it is obvious this is the space that God has designed. You continue to dig. You got through uh, opposition and dispute. And this is the space. And there's going to be blessing here. And it is complete. And that's what he's walking in. And that's what you see develop. Uh, as, as this chapter, as you read and take in the whole thing. He faced dispute and opposition, but listen, he does that, that's his experience, while being obedient to the Lord. And that's a challenge, and I want you to note that, because many people feel like today, because they've been taught this, or they just have this false expectation, that being obedient to what the Lord is directing you to do, that it's all going to be easy and there will be no dispute and there will be no opposition. And that's not been my experience and that's not the experience that I read about in Scripture today. I want you to note that. That walking with God, walking in His absolute clear direction for your life, that it does not mean that every day is going to be easy. Amen. But there's a promise, I'll be with you and will bless you. I'll be with you and I will bless you. It's just that there's not instant results. He digs and there's a pause. There's a problem. And this, no one likes dispute in opposition, guys. I think we all kind of like it when everyone kind of agrees with us. You give the, the direction, you give the insight, and it goes, goes great. And that's just not been my experience. 
Or we love it when we can pray and there's like an instantaneous answer from God and everything soothes out and everything becomes just wonderful. And that's not been my experience. That there's been an opportunity for faith plus patience and then there is a promise. And that's what the writer of Hebrews gives us in Hebrews 6.12. Hard times. Let's go to Egypt. That's the thinking That was the behavior of his father before him. But God interrupts. God intervenes. It's a divine interruption. It takes that, doesn't it, to to change our mindset? Because when there's famine in my life or yours, it, it, it is human nature to assess our resources, maybe look at the patterns before us, maybe look at the examples before us, and figure out how are we going to get through this famine. And, and, and we begin to think. We begin to process. And we begin to head down a pathway. And maybe we pray and maybe we don't. But God has a plan for your life. And his plan for your life is worth seeking him about. To ask him, God, is this thinking that I have, it is, is it in line with your plans and your purpose for my part, my contribution to your kingdom. Notice I said your kingdom, not my kingdom, not your kingdom. (laughs) No, uh, it's seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness to figure out, God, is this in line with what you have in mind? Because I'm about to panic, God. There's famine in the land, and I'm going this direction unless you intervene. I think that's a fair question to ask. I haven't always asked it, but that would be a great prayer to pray. Lord, there's famine. What what would you have me to do? How would you have me to respond? You see, when we have a mindset and we have a thinking, it's fair to to see if that is in alignment with God's plan and kingdom, kingdom purposes for our life. It's not just in this passage. Many passages in Scripture that challenge our own thinking. I love one in Acts chapter 16, verse 6 through 10. We're going to hit some Scriptures here. I just want to give you some other examples, but this is the Apostle Paul. And he has in his mind where he's going. But it's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that that actually keeps him from preaching the Word in Asia, he thinks that the timing is right. He thinks this is the direction to go. And, and, and go on to the next verse. He, he, he is thinking what he's going to do, but it's the spirit of Jesus that would not allow him to do it. And he finally gets a, a vision, it has a dream of a man of Macedonia saying, come and help me. And then, being that he has not moved yet, as soon as he gets this vision, they, they go the next day and go in response. But even the Apostle Paul, is what I want you to understand, uh, has in his mind uh, the, the timing and the plan and the purpose and the direction, and yet the Holy Spirit intervenes in his life to redirect. First of all, it's a pause, then it's direction, and then there's release. How often have you or I perhaps even gotten ahead of God because we have an idea of how the direction should go and the timing is off, the location is off, and we perhaps press on anyway. Our mind, but redirected by the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that appears to be right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. See, there's a lot of things that we think about our life, and it doesn't always come from Scripture, or it's not always in the right context, but there's a way that seems right to us, and if we're not awfully careful, we can embrace something to the point that we become rigid And we become stubborn and we become even disobedient. And we even go down a path that's completely ungodly. 
completely out of align with what God wants to do in the kingdom, but it seems right to us. There's a great caution. Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure, and who can understand it? Verse 10. Do we have that? We don't. It's okay. Deceitful heart. But yet you live in a land, you live in a culture that would tell you, trust your heart. Follow your heart. Well, when I follow my heart, sometimes my emotions and my default thinking is not in line with God's kingdom. It's in, it's in self-preservation mode. And it can deceive me into actions and deeds that are not in line with the Word of God. It's panic mode. The heart is deceitful. My emotions can deceive me. Isaiah 55. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Uh, just, just a public service announcement today that God's thinking, God's ways are higher than yours and I tend to be. He's got a total different plan, a total different direction, uh, and, and thinks much bigger and, and in different ways than what you and I tend to think. What I'm trying to do right now, guys, is expose our own thinking. That we may not always have it right. And we're also forgetful. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 12, the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, if we have that. All right, I'm going to pull it up anyway. First Corinthians 13 and verse 12. Paul says, Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Fully known. I've meditated on this scripture from time to time that the idea of a bad mirror, the ability, I, I can't quite make it out, I can't quite see clearly, but one day I will, one day you will, follower of Jesus, but in the meantime, it's just that we don't always see the whole picture, we don't always understand what God is doing, we get a glimpse, not always even sure that I could be able to fully function or wrap my mind around what God is doing, it's much easier to look back and have 2020 hindsight, but if he told me everything he was going to do, I'm not sure that it would always even align or I would always be able to grasp what exactly he would like to do. My point, and I hope all of these verses, and there are more, but it, but it would hopefully get us to expose our own thinking, our own mind, that we might keep an open mind regarding the leading of God and specifically the Holy Spirit in our lives, that we might be challenged a bit in our own thinking, not be such a hardhead, not end up digging a well in the wrong location because we just go so set in our ways. I've dug wells. I've been part of projects where you're, we're digging wells and it's in the wrong location and you come up empty and dry. It's expensive. Much better if it's God's way and then he funds his way. Let me give you some slides today. This is from a pastor, Darius Daniel, but he talks about purpose and talks about call. And I, I, I appreciate the way that he words this, but he says that purpose is going to be a compilation of what you have done with your life 
and is the reason that things are created or exist. That God has a purpose. You weren't born on accident. Life is precious. Your life is precious. And there's a purpose. And you'll look back someday, and you'll look back over your life, and you'll see a compilation uh, of everything that God has put together in the story of your life. And you'll be able to recognize, did I live for God or did I not? Did I leverage everything that God gave me for the sake of His kingdom or not? Because there are things that will be created or exist because you responded to the purpose of God for your life. Or not. Give me the next one as he talks about calling. That a person's ability to fulfill purpose is going to depend on their ability to respond to God's invitation or calling to fulfill a certain set of responsibilities and roles in certain seasons. It was wordy, but I hope that you can grasp that. God's invitation, God's calling, it, it begins before we even know Him, but he, but he wants to know us. And so He extends an invitation to you to give up on what you think and what you thought was, uh, was beneficial and what you thought you would do with your life. He brings divine interruption and then you make a decision, will I surrender my life to Christ or not? What does that look like? What does that struggle look like? God's speaking into your life, an invitation. And then as a believer, in my experience, the opportunities that through divine interruption that God has spoken and invited and given call and say, will you accept this responsibility and this role in certain seasons? Let me give you some seasons today. I've got my life in pictures. This idea, Bob, Bob Yader did this a few weeks ago, and I'm, I have a few photos. I want to share with you some photos today that represent seasons. That's, that's the first official date. Two high school students. Um, yeah. I mean, you, if you tried to imagine me with hair, there you go. I mean, there it is. I, at this point, though, guys, I, I am, um, there's a lot of background I could tie in here, but I'll just simply say that I am not walking with God. I, I have a direction in mind for my life. I have things that I want to do. I have a direction I'm going to go. I'm headed to Egypt. There's famine in my land. There's a lack of resources in many ways. But through, I believe, divine intervention, I have the opportunity that begins conversations with a young follower of Christ. And that begins to put me in a position and at different tables, eating different food and having different conversations to put me in the place where the Spirit of God can interrupt my life and interrupt my thinking. It's an introduction to faith. See, God does that. God puts you, you wayward person, you prodigal child, you, you, you one who are rebelling against the Lord, your God. And yet God intervenes through divine interruption in your life with a, to propose an invitation to come follow Him. It's scriptural. Fishermen drop their nets. Tax collectors close their books. Because an invitation from Jesus. And he's still inviting people today. He's inviting people to the table. And it will alter the course of your life. Because he'll call you to a place of surrender. He'll call you to a place of repentance. To repent of your sins. To allow the Spirit of God to begin to lead your life and change your life and change your course. Divine interruption. Next slide. I get baptized. 
Not in a clear pool of water either. This is Little Mud Lick Creek. They call it Mud Lick for a reason. But that's a cold day in March in Kentucky and it is outdoors. The man with the white hair and the brown shirt, his name is Fontaine. He is my uncle. He has been radically saved. He was a man as far from God as you could get. God gripped his heart, changed his life, interrupted his path, changed his direction. He became a student of the Word, became a, a person of testimony that influenced my life, and I end up in the water. Change of direction, divine interruption. I share that with you because for me it's memorable and it's meaningful. It's also foundational. It's, an, it's not, a, I'm grateful for this photo because it's not something to be forgotten. The Lord speaking into my life, changing the direction of my life. Next picture wedding day, 40 years ago. On the, on the far side, that's my mother-in-law. She's been right here. And then my father-in-law, he passed away in 87. Those are, that's my mother and my adopted father on the right. And so they've all passed away except for my mother-in-law. She's 82, I believe. 81, she'll be 82. And she'll, probably, she'll be here again in a few months. But that, that's a moment that begins uh, a, a God-honoring marriage. Now, I had no plans of getting married at that young age. I had other plans. But through divine interruption, the way to walk right, the way to live right, the way to honor God is you marry. We didn't have kids right away, but we began life right away as students of the Word, hungry for the presence of God, hungry for the, the things of God, hungry for His Word, and we begin a life together that we just celebrate 40 years. I'm serious about marriage. And I want you to be. My first job is United States Air Force. Yep. You can't get a hat like that just anywhere. But that began what was to be eight years of wearing a uniform, of, of, of doing a job that I, I didn't always like doing the job, but I, but I worked well in that system. I worked well in that system. And it, it, it brought me uh, a time to be able to learn how to interact with people, how to build some discipline in my life. And I, and I had favor there, walking with God. Saying no to many things. I discovered that there was the culture, military culture, was a lot of party time. And I, I did not engage that. I walked with God. I honored God. And He honored my walk. And I, I, I had many great opportunities. It was a time also of being discipled, of learning from others, of being mentored. And then you reach a point in all of that where I'm thinking and others are saying, well, this could be a career for you. Maybe. I was okay with that. I was okay with that. And we had opportunity. We were going to go back to Texas. We lived in Washington State for four years of that time. And, and there was an opportunity to go back to Texas. And so you begin to, your mind, your thinking begins to analyze all those opportunities. What would I do? Could I spend 20 years doing this? Yeah, I could. The, the, the financial gain builds as you continue in the process. And I, it, there were many reasons to continue. And so your mind and your thinking go that way. But I'm also being discipled. And so you, you come to some decision making and you're thinking, what are the gauges and my life looking like, what is God asking me to do? Do I, do I continue to raise my right hand and continue to make an oath and continue to this path of military service or forsake that and go 
a different path, believing that God is intervening in my circumstances. This would have been easier. But this was Egypt. I couldn't continue this path, and so we left. And I've got another photo. Still two young kids, in case we've forgotten. This is our apartment. We're in Washington State. We're learning. I don't even know who took this photo, but I saw it the other day. It reminded me of how young we were and what it was like to be in that stage of life and beginning to, to feel um, what it would be to have a call of ministry. And I don't even know how to articulate that because there's nothing to compare to. There's not a system in place. There's no father before me that has done this. And so I remember my grandmother at one point, and she was a teacher, a retired teacher, and she told me, you know, uh, you need to become a teacher because that's what we do. And she wasn't kidding. Uh, all four of her sons, including my, my, my real father, everybody... Everybody became a teacher. That's just what they do. And if you didn't like that path, then you become a coal miner. And, the, and, the, and so there were all kinds of conversations that happened that were frustrating for them because I wasn't following that path. That's what it's like to have dispute and opposition, even in your own family. But I'm wrestling with something different because believing, looking back, that there's divine interruption in my life that's leading me a different path. Next photo. By now we have two kids. I couldn't, I couldn't put all the photos together, but now I've got two daughters. Allie, Katie, I think they're here this morning. We're in Florida. Uh, Paul and I, we, you know, we left the Air Force. We're going to school I'm working as an insurance agent. I'm, I'm volunteering. We're, we're growing in faith. It's a season of life. And, and yet I, I had to make some choices. And once I, I finished college, I, I, I was still thinking, you know what? I've got eight years of military service. Maybe I should go back. And for me, though, you wrestle through that, and it wasn't the right decision. It wasn't what God had in mind, but it was unsettling, and it would have been an Egypt experience, I believe. But I, was, I couldn't get, quite get over it because they were talking to me about maybe you know, you're going to be an officer, and, uh, and you're qualifying to be a pilot. He's speaking all the language that I need to hear. But you're praying through that, and what would God have you to do? What would God have you to go and some new opportunities developed and we end up in Louisville, Kentucky home of the Kentucky Derby Peyton and there's Allie, there's Katie two dear friends, Charles and Cassie Marshall they're in medical school and they were a great help to us and I just found this photo but I, and I wanted to share with you because it was another pivotal divine interruption I got an opportunity to pastor a small church in, in Louisville, Kentucky, in a city area, and, and what that was like, because it wasn't like the direction, it wasn't like the idea that would be the most financial gain, but yet it was an opportunity to walk with God. And, and then it became, as we, as we were there a few years, I liked that city. I liked Louisville. And Paula was teaching and she was in the, the school system there. And, and life is good in many ways. And sometimes when life is good, it can be too good. Because it gets too comfortable. And, and yet God is stirring my heart about what it is to plant a church. And Paula, one day she said, what does that even mean? I said, I don't know. But I'm trying to figure it out. And so what would that look like? What, what would it be to plant a church? We were in an older church, very dear, sweet people. And, and finally, it comes to the place where it is stay there, stay there. And it would have been easier to stay there. But instead, in the middle of a year, we both resign and we go to Florida without any jobs or income. Have a photo? So I'm back to Florida, 
And we end up in Orlando area. And a dog named Max, unforgettable dog. And there we are. And, and we're in an apartment that, uh, and, and things weren't exactly easy. And, but we did, God did give us direction. God gave us uh, opportunities to learn. And God gave us employment opportunities. And so we're working. I'm not, I've left a church and I'm, and I'm seeking what it would be like to, to plant a church. And yet they ask me, would you take on a new role, a new responsibility, and go, do have another photo? This is the youth group. I see Allie, I see Katie, and some other dear family friends. And this is in our Orlando area. And this is the church, this is the opportunity, these are the people that I first came to Guatemala with 20 years ago. Divine interruption. All paths lead here. Other photo, I had a great group of people. These are the other staff and their children and, and, and even another dog. And we, um, but this is a great group of people. And so in the middle of this time, I meet Edgar, who's here somewhere. And I go to an orphanage about two miles from here. And we're working, we're serving, and we're trying to figure out, well, what would it be to be a missionary and and I was I don't know a little disturbed at the process because it meant that I you you didn't get to really uh, decide where you wanted to go where you felt led to go and there was an expensive process and finally reached the point that we said goodbye to these folks because believing that it would have been um, that God was leading us to be here and so we just sold everything sold our house Sold her stuff and showed up at the airport here in 2006, 17 plus years ago. We show up here and things don't get any easier. There's dispute, there's opposition even. You have another slide, next slide. We show up here and this is what it looks like when you don't have facilities, when you don't have a nonprofit, but you you receive a little boy into your life and you're trying to cast vision and talk to people and, and the Lord's bringing people and, uh, to come to Guatemala through us and you're trying to figure all those things out. It's like digging wells, but you don't know exactly where things are going. And there is dispute and there is opposition. And, and I've never had the, the church hurt that some of you have had. I've had a great experience walking with God and walking with God's people. But I had one year and it was, that, that was very difficult. And that, and that ties into part of my story of being here. Famine. 2008, famine hits in the world and economies collapse and support is lost. And, and I'm thinking because there's famine in the land that it's time to go to Egypt. You have that Gulf of Mexico photo? I think we do, maybe. A map. There it is. You see, my Egypt is Florida. I've been in Guatemala, and it's very difficult, and it's, it's very easy. It's much easier if I just go back to Florida. And that's a long story for another day. But that's my Egypt, because we default, I default, back to the easier path. The path of least resistance. But I, I saw this and I, I, and I gravitate to this because this is how sometimes our thinking is, our default thinking to go the easy path. But thank God that God intervened in my life and God intervened in my circumstances and God had not forgotten me and God began to speak into my life and he challenged me and he didn't say you know this you'll know, trade this for this it was more like trust me and let's see what God will do that's what happens and now we have a church guys in a few weeks we're 6 years old we're 6 years old and, I, and even that is going back, I was thinking this week, there were people that gathered together, other missionaries, and they talked, and we all talked together and believed that God might have us to develop something in, that, that looks like this 
here in San Cristobal area. I'm the only one left from that first meeting at McDonald's. Last man standing. And I thank God that I'm here. But there were people who went before you that prayed and believed and encouraged and thought that this would be a good idea. I shared with you photos that span 41 years of following Jesus. Responding to God's invitation into the unknown of what is next and how it will be accomplished. Many seasons represented there. Many seasons where my responsibilities and my roles changed to respond to the call of God and to not go to Egypt, the easier path. So often, Egypt, the default path, the easier path, the path of the previous generation, Genesis 12, 10, the same thing that Abraham trying to go to Egypt, going, going down and he and Isaac doing the same thing as you read these passages. They're, they lie about who their wife is because they're scared. And that's what happens to all of us when there's famine in the land, when there's fear gripping our heart. And Egypt comes to mind, the easier path. Perhaps the, the path before us, the, the generation before you, that someone has modeled for you what it is to not trust God, but to trust in ourselves and trust in our own resources and to go the direction that is the Egypt for you. And yet I'm thankful today that there's always been an invitation to accept a role, to accept a responsibility, and that it counters the, the wrong thinking in my mind. Sometimes it was an invitation to go, and other times it was an invitation to stay. But th throughout a 41-year history, God intervening in a way that it was so clear, don't go to Egypt, trust me. Don't go to Egypt, trust me. You keep digging, you keep going. And walk with God. And I'm leading you to a, a place of Rehoboth. I'm, I'm leading you to a place of Sheba. A place where there's going to be abundance. Where I'm carving out land. And I'm carving out space. And there's going to be abundance there. And it's going to be complete. And, and we're going to walk together. You see in this passage in Genesis 26. God, he's not just giving Isaac a place to settle. But he's establishing the future nation of Israel. It's a huge plan. He doesn't unveil, unveil the plan. And there's, and there's difficulty. There's problems. Isaac has to move a couple times because they can't find the right well. But God's creating a place of promise and blessing in a foreign land. It's a fruit of the season. I stand here today. I believe that I'm in an exact spot. I'm in a Rehoboth, Sheba time, season of life. But it's the other side of walking with God, of accepting the challenges, of accepting the invitation to adjust my role, adjust my responsibilities, to trust Him even further and continuing to walk with Him. Is that easy? No way. Oh, but there's fruit from it. And there's a satisfaction. As I look back over 41 years, I believe God's got some more life and some more opportunity for me. I'm grateful for the health that he's given me. Grateful for the opportunities that he's given me. But God, I, I, folks, I'm, I'm sharing this with you today, not to brag on me at all, but to brag on the Lord our God, who I believe has a Rehoboth and a Sheba in mind for you. But I've got to awaken you to some old thinking and some old ways and some default patterns that perhaps you begin to awaken to the things of God in your life. See, for some of you, the truth be known, you're not walking with God today. And the invitation for God in your life, He puts you in a place perhaps like this where you hear His truth. And you have to respond and decide, is the gospel for me? Have I had enough of me that I might walk with God and, and see what God can do in my life? And I'm going to forsake and repent and turn from the way that I've been going. And I'm going to walk with the God, you know, the God that is reaching out to me through Jesus, His shed blood on the cross.
He died, but He rose again on the third day. And He lives in you. You follower of Christ, He lives within you. That's the God that we can know and serve. And that's the God who intersects your life with divine interruption. Others of you, you've been following God for a while. And when I say stubborn, you say that's me. Because God speaks to you over and over again. And He gives you word. And He gives you direction. And He's active by the Holy Spirit. And you resist the Holy Spirit. What He's asking you to do, it scares you. You lack the resources. You lack lack the experience. And yet God still speaks. And I don't know who that is today, but I believe I'm preaching to somebody today. And it could be a season in your life where it's time for you to shift roles and shift responsibilities. And trust the Lord your God. I'm going to stop there today. I'm going to ask you today as we finish this time together and You know, there, there are things in your life that I, there, there's no one else that can do for you. You have to be the one to accept what God would love to do in your life. And you may be, it may be resonate with you. You know what it is to go the path of Egypt unless God is intervening in your circumstances. And you may be on a path of Egypt today even. The easier path, the easier way, the default way the generation before you weigh, and yet the Spirit of the living God would speak into your life today and awaken perhaps a dream that He has placed in your heart and in your life. This is how people do kingdom things and see amazing breakthrough in their life. This is real. I did not come here to entertain you today. But I came here today, I think, with a a word from the living God. And I prayed this morning, God, let let this be the day that, that people embrace your word. Lord, today, as we sit here in this place, I I feel emptied out, God, that I I'm grateful that you've guided my words today. I'm grateful. I believe the Spirit of the living God has been here from the beginning to, the, to now. And yet somehow, sometimes, God, we, we just don't think that way. We, we come and we show up, and it's, it, it's, a, it's a passage of just getting through Sunday. And let's go to lunch, and let's figure this out. And, let's, and, and I'm just praying you wake some people up today. Holy Spirit, would you come and wash over this place today? penetrating the hard heart of man that you might find receptive hearts and open ears that just would embrace you Lord it just would say fresh and new Holy Spirit pour out upon me wash over me soften this hard heart again God, I want to walk through a season of life where I know that the role, the responsibility, all that you have for me is ordained by you. It is your purpose and plan. So many in this room today, God, they've been holding back perhaps because they just weren't sure. They're not confident in themselves and life is hard. And and God, we reach the point today that, God, we just read about and, and perhaps even what you've given me to share today, it would show someone I'm just an ordinary guy like everybody else. That Lord, you have poured out your spirit. God, you have given me opportunity to walk with you and to know you. God, I'm so grateful today. I'm grateful that you've given me invitation. But I pray it's crystal clear today, Lord, that that invitation you've given me 
is the same invitation you give to every person here today. It's going to look different for all of us. But what you require is submission, surrender. A timirendo. Not just a song, but a condition of the heart where there is a knee bowed and a heart that is open to you, to be led by you. And so, Lord, I I don't want to just close out today and just pretend that we just go on our way. But, Lord, that this is a day, this is a day that is marked for this church. And this is a day that you pour out your spirit. And this is a day that the people of God do business with the living God. So, Lord, I, I know that days are hard, weeks are hard, seasons are hard. You've reminded us to keep digging. But, God, I pray that you'll, you'll raise up a people that will accept the roles, the responsibilities, and the opportunity to trust you. Some need to trust you for the first time. They need to repent of their sins. Find Jesus to be precious to their soul. Find Jesus to be alive in them. And so, Lord, however you lead in these next few minutes, I know that you are raising up people that are going to stand for a generation. And there's going to be a blessing over that. And we beg for your blessing. Accomplish your will in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Once you rise to your feet, God deserves praise today some of you 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 relate to everything I've said it's been a season you've accepted roles you've accepted responsibilities it's been hard and and yet you stand here today and he just deserves the highest praise and others of you you need to come pray you need someone to link arms with you because it's a matter of faith your faith has been weak and you need some support from the body of Christ today's your day Others still, they're, God, I, you need to surrender your life to Christ. You've been hanging around the church, but that doesn't make you a Christian. You're a Christian as you submit your life to Him. You, you recognize Jesus. He is the Christ. You need His salvation that only comes through Him for Him to come and live within you and lead your life. God, accomplish your will and your way. In Jesus' name.